0: Hey everybody, we are Martin, Robert, and Francis, and this is Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head, rent free. Hey, welcome back to Snakes and Otters. Thanks for being here with us every week. So hey, I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. So guys, here we are, it's episode 28 the second episode of our Rome series. Rome.
1: <laughs> well, I was wondering if you were going to do that. If you did, we I'll all go. have very great
0: friends in Rome. Yes, we, we do. That's right. <laughs> so you know, last time we talked uh, focused on the Republic period. So obviously, the next thing to do is focus on the Empire period. The the that period. It mostly when we talk Empire, we're talking about the Empire in the West. Yes. That 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 entity that was so influential in Western civilization. So you're talking from, what is it, 14 B.C. to 475 A.D., somewhere in that ish, well, roughly? Yeah. for the
1: purposes of our discussion here, we're going up until about 313, because once it becomes Christianized, that's the next that's episode. That's the next
2: episode. That's right. Well, yeah, I, think is... there's, I, think there's over, I think there's legitimate right. overlap there, because once Christianity becomes part of the empire legally. There's lots of back and forth. That becomes the new cultural question.
1: So, yeah. That's right. and that's, that's For the empire itself. That's right, because they try to figure out who the heck are we. Because they were very pagan before that. Yes. Usually tolerant, but
0: <laughs> we'll keep going. So I think it's a little bit valuable here to just very quickly, not spend a lot of time on it, but just talk about that transition from the republic to the empire. Of course, it starts with the man who crossed the Rubicon, Julius Caesar. And then the Ides of March, 44 B.C., he's murdered in the Senate. The perpetrators flee, uh, Cassius, Brutus, and the rest. And Rome comes under the sway of what's called the second triumvirate. Mm -hmm. And unlike the first Mm -hmm. triumvirate, which was clandestine, this one's openly acknowledged in law by Mm -hmm. the Senate, and it's... Octavius, the adopted son, relative, whatever, heir heir of Julius Caesar, his right-hand man, Mark Anthony, and a reliable soldier Mm -hmm. uh, in Lepidus, Um, they come to defeat the assassins at the Battle of Philippi and share the Roman Empire now, or the Roman Republic, between the three of them. But that wasn't going to last
1: no. Yeah, the Senate made a big mistake in many ways because by giving these guys semi-unlimited dictatorial powers, well, because they'd just done it, because Julius Caesar was named Imperator for Life. So basically at that point, even though he didn't live much longer after that because they killed him, they, they had already crossed their own Rubicon in many yeah. ways. They'd yeah. already decided we're, we like this one guy in charge thing if he's the right guy. So uh, ah,
2: Isn't that the eternal question? The one right guy. That's right. The definition of who the right guy <laughs> That's is. That's exactly it. <laughs> yes. Is always the problem.
1: Yeah. That's exactly right. They yeah. thought Julius Caesar was, and, and you know, there's some reasoning behind Fair.
0: that. Uh, but eventually, the three trium- triumvirs. Have a falling out? Lepidus is sidelined to North Africa, right? Right, yeah.
1: We don't even remember him. I mean, if you study it, yeah, we know his name, but beyond that, he's. Oh, yeah, he's the third.
2: He was guy. never in a movie. No, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. That's so, right. I mean, how are we going to remember I mean, him? Even, even <laughs>
1: Crassus uh, in the first triumvirate, the third guy whose name we often remember, he was Laurence Olivier in Spartacus, for goodness sakes. Right, yes.
0: Right. He's had his moment. But eventually. Uh, very famously, Anthony becomes embroiled with the Queen of Egypt. Oh and, yes, and Cleopatra.
1: She who is brought in in a carpet, totally nude, and rolled out in front of Caesar. <laughs> oh yes, she's quite the uh, yes. Well,
0: she she moves colorful right, personage. Yeah, right from Caesar to Antony. Uh, they even have children together. That's right. Uh, three of them, right? I believe so. That's exactly right. And Caesar already having had
1: a son, illegitimate, but he claimed him. Publicly yeah. in Rome, which was a scandal in and of itself. Yeah. Caesarean.
0: Yeah. But Octavius takes advantage and says, hey, Rome, you don't really want this Egyptian person. I was going to say, <laughs> you're
1: trying to find the right words to phrase this well because it was a scandal of it the first sc- order. Yeah. And um, he was saying, this guy is not Roman. He's letting this uh, babe of Egypt. Hold him, lead him around by the nose, or something else. She's she's going to be the queen of Rome. That's right. You don't want her because you met her once before and you didn't like her then. Yeah. Because she's not Roman at all. She's no. very Eastern.
0: Yeah. And so Octavian uses that to his advantage. He defeats the combined uh, forces of Antony and Cleopatra at the Battle of Actium. A naval battle, actually. A naval battle, and they both commit suicide. And Octavius rules the world. That's right. He is it. Uh, takes the name Augustus. That's right, because he's so cool. <laughs> and that is the start. That's right, of because the Roman Empire. The, the senators realize, well, this one guy in charge.
1: We kind of already gave that away, didn't we? And yep. there's no taking it back. Yeah.
2: Yes. Once you give power to someone else, it's very difficult to take it back. That's right. And Octavius knew that.
0: You know, he was very mindful, though, of the form of the republic. Yes, kind of keeping a little bit mm-hmm. of the paint on, so to speak. Oh, absolutely. He, like, like, he he redid the plumbing,
2: yeah, but
0: he left the paint in place. It's a good aphorism. Um, he becomes known as Principes. He does not take the titles of dictator or, or anything imperator like that. or any yeah. of that stuff. That's right. It's um, it's a much more reduced so imagery. But basically, what he says goes. Mm-hmm and uh, he keeps a pretty tight circle with his family, mm-hmm. and it's the beginning of the Julio-Claudians. A,
1: well, part of the thing is, too, you know, it's like when we talked about Voltaire, one of the reasons he had such a reputation, because he lived so darn long. Yeah. The same thing with Octavian or Augustus. You know, well, he, he was, was young. He was very young when yeah. he took over, mm-hmm. and he lived a long time, and he has plenty of time to put his people in the right places, and he, they, they were also still in this period of unprecedented growth outward they for, for you know for a generation before they annexed gaul which mm-hmm. had not been able to have been done uh thanks to uh thanks to octavian himself they get egypt and all that stuff that went oh, with yeah. it so now we actually have a real empire on the map whereas before it was kind of a loose association we talked a little bit about that in the show prep uh client states that kind of gets subsumed as they go along they it's don't do bit. much they don't do yeah, much more egypt
0: that. is outright annexed that's right um most of the rest of the Middle East remains nominally separate nations, not provinces. But right. But the, clients, the, definitely they remain client states to the empire. As I
2: said earlier, the Marble Curtain. Yeah. Yes. Uh, something like the Soviets and the uh, Eastern, Eastern Bloc.
0: Right. Yeah, very much. Very much the same kind of thing. So, out of that history, then, where do we go from here? So, guys, a few months ago, I read Adrian Goldsworthy's. Pax Romana that term Roman peace the empire is thought to have brought peace generally to Europe so I wanted to kick that to you and just say what do you think? Is that real? Was the Pax Romanum real? Was it a a fiction that Rome promoted? What do you think? Well I
2: think there's, there's three actually three different th- ways to look at this. Yeah. Because um, we talked about two uh, in the show prep. but So it's definitely a yes and a no in the sense that, yes, there is a peace, because when you come in and there's no active conflict against you, that's peace. That's a lack of war. That doesn't mean everybody's happy about you being there. Uh, but also no, because sometimes when you create peace by wiping everybody out or creating such a totalitarian uh, uh atmosphere that everybody's so scared of you that ultimately they're going to rise up. Well, crucifixion that, had a lot to do yeah, with cru- that. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Very crucifixion. Effective. Yes. One, one cross, line, cross, one cross, cross each. One line on, on the left. left. Um so so it's definitely a yes and a no, but that, that's true of all totalitarianism. Really an empire by definition is a totalitarian in the sense that he has total control. Right? Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be a negative, it just always works out that way. Uh, you know, divine right kings—you could say were totalitarians because they ruled. What they said went. It's absolutism. Yes, but also this third thing is—it's interesting when we talk about the Pax Romana. As was it truly a a peace, or was it simply trying to overwrite what they found with their own culture? Uh, sometimes taking bits of it. Oh yeah, uh, that uh, preexisted. Uh, as we, as we said earlier, that's how they got all their gods. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. took up what they liked, discarded the rest. So to me, I've always looked at Pax Romana not so much as a lack of conflict, as the Romanizing of the world that they knew. I think know. it's that,
1: and it's also that in reverse, because Rome brought with it all the good things it had, like roads and... Uh, uh, Plumbing. It's all, well, yeah, well, aqueducts. the aqueducts. That's right. We could do the whole Monty Python sketch. What did the Romans ever do for us? But all that's very true. They brought all this stuff with them, but they also recognized. And here's their genius. Here's that universal stuff. One of the reasons why this is, this, as empires go, is really so good, is they did not impose this. They took, they brought this stuff with them that everybody loves, but they let them continue their own religion. Which is a very, which they were smart. They recognized we'll never convert them to ours. We'll just subsume them into us. Their customs, uh, all these things, their family structures, none of that's mandated. You just bring that in, you become Roman. That supreme right of Roman citizenship is available to you, but with their certain expectations that come with that. Yes.
2: Now, and those expectations are the ones that directly bring Rome into conflict with the Jews. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, leading to the massacre at Masada, right, as well as the Christian persecutions up until and actually past uh, Constantine, because they're uh, as they go back and forth, the emperors between Christianity being legal and not. Uh, there's persecutions, uh, so there is religious persecution, but it's generally focused at the one group, mainly right. because they won't buy into that's right. That's the system the, the that system. Rome is trying to put out, and that's what I was talking about with the um, uh, Romanizing. The, the Jews and the Christians would not be Romanized. That's right. They were one of the few because, as a general rule, being
1: Romanized is a good thing. It brings you lots of stuff. Your standard of living goes way up. You're also protected. and you have to pay taxes on that. You know, Rome brings their legions, but the legions, as we've said, are very good at keeping order. And, and
0: part of the deal with a, a province yep. is we're here, but... You now have the opportunity to be a part of the legions. Yes, the barbarian—what they would call a barbarian—parts uh, of Le- eventually came to dominate the Roman military. That's correct. In that's, the later period, we're getting ahead of The entire little, Roman military that's exactly was barbarian. Right. Well, it's also a path
1: to power for for these generally uneducated, undisciplined un- uh, barbarian tribes. You've got a way to make something because you see all this great stuff that the industry. Uh, and the trade that Rome provides can bring to you things you could never find. Right. I mean, where can you, you know, you're in Gaul, and all of a sudden you're getting goods from Egypt and from North Africa. And, you know, yeah, the the trade that's right. put forward. Yeah, it's, Roman it's and a, wine it's vessels an economic are, are found powerhouse. as far away as Britain. Right. 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 And the fact that they build their roads, uh, some of which are actually still usable even today, uh, that, that's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, so Rome is not just a military powerhouse. That's, you know, as they said in Star Trek, here we go not again. Not in the beginning. Well, that's, that's
2: correct. It certainly spreads through the power of the military. That's right. But that's, I think, a function of necessity. Uh, because otherwise you can't spread. Because you're, you're going to come into conflict, conflict with the people you're trying to mm-hmm. uh, uh, Romanize.
1: Conquest is easy, control is not. Yes. And Rome does a very good job of control. They actually do a good for job as, long of, as
2: For as long as they can, yes. yes. That's right.
1: Because as, yes. as a general rule, at the, the period that we're talking about, the Pax Romana you're trying to talk about here, there's only two frontiers, eventually, that are hostile. There's the Germania, on yes. the other side of the Rhine. The Rhine. And then there's Persia, which is its yep. own issue, you know, in the Far East. But it existed long before Rome did.
2: Right. Persia is the... You could almost say Persia was, and some would say still is... The eternal enemy, or opposite number, if you Mm -hmm. want to talk about enemies, of the West.
0: That's right. Because who's Persia today?
1: Iran. Iran. Iraq. All that that
0: area. So, yeah. So, it is a, a, a conundrum a bit here that, is it real in one sense? Sure. Absolutely. Internally, for the most part, again, we talked about this, during this empire period, you can travel from southern britain to the middle east on roman roads in relative safety that's you cannot underestimate the value of you that. can take good that's back to, and forth
2: all to me that energy. answers
1: your question the best that we can put it in a succinct fashion relative
2: well, is the key point there yeah. I mean, we talk about going from say new york to san diego mm-hmm we can do that in relative safety mm-hmm. uh, you know we don't expect anybody's going to rob us along the way or kill us although that certainly does happen sure yeah now i would still hazard a guess though that happened more often then than it does now so you know relative to the time uh, right and I, they, nobody
0: traveled alone let's put it yeah, that way banditry was at a minimum but again the relative because it's not a period that's absent of conflict as you talk about there are wars at the borders, at the fringes. That's right. Yeah, and, and uh, the, the, there's Roman civil wars, <laughs> which yes. are well, super unpleasant.
1: That's usually brief, and that's usually regarding a transfer of power between a reg- between regimes. I mean, you've got the Year of the Three Emperors, for goodness' sakes, where you know they weren't satisfied with any of them. Yeah, and it's finally somebody comes in. Yeah, and
0: there's there's a Year of the Five Emperors, a Year right. of the Six Emperors. That's right. So there's there are periods through here. Every hundred years or so, where there's huge internal civil conflict. Well, their their system of but, succession
1: was different. Yeah. It's not primogeniture. It's almost never from generation to generation. That's that's actually the ex- exception. It's who's got the political clout to take to take the crown.
0: Most successful military commander. In all Usually, that's that. Of
1: that. Who has the military
2: clout to take? The
0: that's
1: crown. correct because it's become. It's become very much a military... Yeah,
0: many of the emperors were declared by their legions right. that yes. they were commanding. Uh, you know, you and know, I'm sure that was also
2: promised. promise. All right, guys, I want to be emperor. You guys can help. It'll go really well for you as well as me.
1: Well, they're usually already proven that this guy will always back us. He's yes. always got us. So yeah, and that's the that, loyalty a regular, he inspires. Yeah, a
0: regular feature, a, a donative. When you got back to Rome, hand out money to the legions that backed you.
2: And this is a really good point about uh, what you're talking about, always wars on the borders. One of the things we forget about uh, wars prior to mid-1800s, late-1800s, is that when you went to war, often your officers were responsible for the training and arming of the soldiers. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in this case, often the commander of the legions is as well. One of the ways that they got paid was in looting. That's correct. So when you sacked a city, hopefully they would uh, surrender. Yeah. Because if you surrender, it doesn't go nearly as hard on you. Right. Yeah,
0: you're not usually made an example out of. Exactly. Right.
2: But if you get sacked, there's burning, raping, and pillaging way bad. Mm-hmm. And so there's always that. And this is one of the reasons why the Pax Romana kept expanding. And I think this is because... Partially because, at its core, the system is designed around a very small geographical area, uh, the Italy-Mediterranean area, yeah. right? But to support all the things that they did, the lifestyle, all of the public works in Rome. If you've ever been to Rome, the aqueducts still stand, and some of them are still in use, all right? And the the buildings that they built, they're still there. They built big. They built to last. This stuff cost money. And you didn't have any money in Rome because you've already spent it. That's why you're out conquering. You see it in empires all the time. They have to expand Mm -hmm. or they're going to die. And so Pax Romana, in a way, you could say maybe this is, just as you said, that uh, traveling in relative safety is proof Mm -hmm. that it is true. Perhaps this is proof that it is not. Because if you have to constantly expand and take over, which you have to do at the point of the sword, at least to some degree, mm-hmm. not very many places you're going to see the Romans coming and say, "Hey, this is a great thing." Everybody's going to resist. So Pax Romana is both true and not true. It's true in the sense that once uh, you've once you're there, once you're there, if it's if you're there long enough, you get stability, right. But there's a lot of instability before you get there,
0: right. And that's really, I think, what it means is. You stabilized an area. And, and Goldsworthy talks about that kind of... In Romanizing. His, in his conclusion is, undoubtedly there was a major revolt early on in Britannia. The famous Boudicca. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but, after 66 AD, That's right. there are no further rebellions in Britain. That's right. It no, is. They walled off those crazy Scotsmen. <laughs> That's right, yeah. They, they walled that. off the people that paint themselves blue and... The rest of Britain was a successful Roman client state. That's right. One that of the enjoyed, most successful, yeah. enjoyed their, their trade goods with the rest of Rome. And consi- And we're, was proud of that, too. Yeah. They were you successfully know, Romanized. I think that's partially because
2: of the type of situation. They're an island. Yeah. I think it's a lot easier to pacify or Romanize them because they're not going to be invading the continent. Right. right. You know, you don't necessarily have to leave a huge legion presence there. Uh, for for whatever reason, it could have gone that way, but for whatever reason, right. it didn't. And I think being an island nation helped with that. They it were did. Uh, a little bit more. Icy. It was almost like they were closer to Rome, even though they were one of the farthest provinces. Because the the Pax Romana is stronger the closer you get to Italy. That's right. Well, one of the things
1: that Rome was uh, one of the many things that it was such a genius about is how it would go to those areas out on the fringes. And they had a grand strategy, and I'll and I'll give you a book by Edward Luckwack, the grand strategy of the Roman Empire. And it talks about this very period, and it says that how Rome, he puts forth that this was deliberate, mm-hmm. that it was that it was, in other words, it was an intentional strategy that they kept for three hundred years. I don't buy that. That's I think pretty it's pretty far-reaching, pretty far-fetched. If you read it, you'll see that that it doesn't quite pull that off. But he also, because they discover a system that works. Yes. That's kind of, it's kind of de facto that it works that way. But when they go into an area, they will subsume all the people into into their legionary, into their civil government, and they will bring their own customs with them.
2: Well, yes, because the legions they stayed. That's correct. They married. That's right. That's one of the ways mm-hmm. that the the Pax Romana was spread. That's right. They spread through marriage. That's right. And they would.
1: They, that's yes. how they would stay there. And they and over generations, the the local people would be thoroughly Romanized, and they would then subsist the legionaries. The local legionaries would be generational. They'd be there forever. That's why you've got you know forts and palisades in certain areas. Uh, but the further you go, eventually they reach an end. You can only go so far. Uh, that's why, in, you know, at the Rhine River, you're kind of stuck. You can't really go across, even though they traded with them all the time. In fact, there was even a large battle on the Rhine uh, that the Romans lost early on mm-hmm. uh, because the Rhine froze over one evening, and they all came across. And you know, it kind of goes with that.
0: So, gentlemen, uh, not to... Yes, Yes, this was a good place to stop, but you're right.
2: So, today, we have a a different kind of bourbon than we've had in the past. Uh, We like to go back to our favorites a lot. So, a while back, I heard about this thing called bottled and bond. Uh, It is bourbon that was bottled and bonded as a certain quality uh, by the U.S. government. The government actually supervised it. The reason, if you're not familiar with the term, is that there was a time, even though it breaks my heart to hear it, people were selling bourbon that wasn't really had a whole it didn't have a whole lot of bourbon in it. Say it isn't so, sir. Uh, especially uh, 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 saloons that were uh, farther away from Kentucky uh, would where people knew their bourbon. Yeah, yes. where people knew their bourbon would adulterate the liquids <gasps> they sold. Uh, I read in one place or, or heard about it in one place that sometimes uh, they would mix the tobacco spit from the spittoon because okay. it's a good dark color. Uh, oh, joy. You know, and it just you never knew what was in it. And this became such a big deal that the government imposed standards. And if you wanted to sell bourbon, you needed to, to
0: have right. the bond. The bond meant it was actually the real thing.
2: Yes, and it had to, be, it had to meet certain uh, standards in how it was made, how long it was uh, stored in the, in the oak casks. I think the minimum is two years. Most common for the bond is four. I got us a bottle of six-year uh, Heaven Hill Old Style Bourbon, uh, and it is it's hundred proof, so it's a little bit higher alcohol content yeah. than uh, than probably uh, most of the ones we try, and uh, it's not bad. You know, for twelve, it was only twelve dollars for twelve-dollar bourbon. It, it's really way better than I thought it was going to be. It's it's got a little bite to it. Yeah, yeah, but I like that. It's got a little bit of bite, but it still has a great warmth that it, it does that lasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, not unlike the warmth that you get with the Angel's Envy that yeah. you that you keep in your your gullet, for yeah. lack of a better yeah. term. Uh, not not as smooth.
0: Not as, smooth but, as Angel's Well, I mean, it's
2: not intended to that be that bite can yeah. be good sometimes. Absolutely, There's... I would be comfortable having this straight up or is a mixing bourbon, you know. $12, it's okay if you mix that. We well, usually we we mm. sometimes
1: have it neat. Most of the time it's on on ice where us. We rarely mix on occasion if we're feeling a little funny with that. But most of the time it's just straight with yeah, ice. Funny in the bad way. Correct. That's right. That's right. <laughs>
2: so, yes, the, this mm. is not bad. Now, and of course, Heaven Hill chose that because we have the uh, family time because you, your your mom does not she work at Heaven Hill? Ah, Barton's
1: it Barton's. Sorry, <laughs> wrong one. How did you not know that? They're both in no. the same place. Yeah, yeah, yeah both down there. So. One's on one side of the yes. city, the other's on the other.
2: Uh, okay, maybe that's what I was thinking. Of course, the bad thing is Heaven Hills, where we've had some fires. They have yes, they
1: actually they actually lost some of their uh, stuff. That's been actually more than a few years mm-hmm. ago though. Did uh, they have one recently? Years, years, was, they, they? They, yeah, uh, they did. They've had a couple. The big one was was where they yeah. lost a couple of warehouses. Well, they've
0: had they've had some collapse and barrels into the uh, into the river or something, didn't they? That's right. But uh, they've actually, happy fish. Well, yeah. they've actually couldn't swim you know. a straight
1: line
2: if their lives depended on it.
1: <laughs> they've built some new uh, storage houses on the on the north side of Bargetown. Uh, so they can kind of diversify their stuff. They realize we shouldn't have all this flammable stuff so close together when we have lots of options to do otherwise. So they've done that. shouldn't
2: is, store the fireworks in the same building. You know, of course stuff like not. Silly. So <laughs> Gunpowder belongs on
1: the uh, somewhere else. You know, that sort of stuff. Yeah, yes, that's right.
2: So anyways, that's our bourbon for today. And we do recommend it. I think Bottled and Bond, if you can find it. It's an inexpensive option, but mm-hmm.
0: it's not bad. Mm-hmm. I'm very pleased. Very much so. You did well, sir. So guys, I'm going to circle you back here a little bit because it's, Goldsworthy's ending is, yes, it's real because there's just no way to know in the absence of Rome, what would the West have been like? Hmm. There's no revolts in Britain. There's also no tribal warfare in Britain. After being Romanized, well, that's right.
1: Well, Gaul is the same way. I exactly. Mean, you there's know, all all those areas were, uh, uh, yeah. The, the how do you not say Pax Romanus here? Because you know they're not people yeah. are not fighting against each other. Right. Again, I think if it not, less. Well, is, if, it, if it happens, you know, they get squashed. Right. Yeah. Well,
2: again, I think it's less that they have brought peace, so much as they have brought a different culture. There,
1: there's, there's well, that's there's it. A, that's a stability. A, yeah, that, yeah, the stability comes
2: through the different culture
1: yeah. that they that they've imposed.
2: Yeah. And granted, it was imposed at the point of the sword, but Uh, it's good by threat.
1: I mean, it benefits the people. There's a lot of uh, advantages to being Roman. You get all this good stuff. Uh, Your standard of living goes way out the
2: roof. Eventually, because I'm willing to bet that initially, there's a lot of outflow economically from. Territories that are... uh, That's uh, correct, yeah, because
1: you have to kind of stabilize the whole, get used to the whole paying taxes business.
2: Well, not only that, usually all of your wealth is, uh, or a good portion of it is taken back to Rome. Uh, at the conquest that's correct well, yeah. I, think, I think a lot of it is going to go even, even yeah. when it's not a straight conquest right But that's the, the whole point they, but, but you put in place
1: an economic engine and a trade engine that l- generates wealth both yeah, for, they tie it into the broader for the and the local world. people too because yeah. you have to have an incentive in yeah. order to keep doing this but, you know yeah. this is a great,
2: great example this is 2,000 years old that um, one of the ways you bring peace is through greater economic ties that's right you know Europe Learned it, but from the Romans, and then forgot it. <laughs> well, that's right, because yeah.
1: they, they fractured, right, in, into pieces. And uh, well, yeah,
2: all of the cultures. It's kind of maybe this is a bad example. It's kind of like Yugoslavia. Mm-hmm. You know, you had all those little countries that made up Yugoslavia. Right, they were at peace, mm-hmm. but they were still separate cultures. They were, and they still didn't the, like each other. And they still didn't like each other. And when. When Rome fell eventually, when and it's not so much that it fell, it just withdrew, it shrank. Right. And that's really more than what, it, you know, it was pushed, the, the barbarians, primarily the Germans and the, the, the Slavic people that came so from Cops. the East, the Goths, yeah. all of those, when they're coming in, it's it's the Pax Romana in reverse, in the sense that they're expanding right. uh, at Rome's expense. And they're bringing in their
1: culture. And they're bringing in their culture. Uh, but they're adopting Rome, too. But they are. Not, they mean, that's too. part of why
0: they were so successful. Is that's why they stepped They right up. know Roman military everything because they're the ones that've been serving in the Rome. They are the Roman military. That's exactly right. Well, you know, the Visigoths
1: basically rule Spain for I mean, how long? And they consider themselves the successor to the empire because they know how to do this. They're they mm-hmm. learned pretty well from the Romans, and they just kind of set up their own shop and they use the same uh, structure and methodology that the Romans did.
0: Now that's what the Goths did a in, example, yeah. in Italy, Odoacer, as he dispatches uh, Orestes and Romulus Augustulus the in 475. Oh, very good, sir. Very good. I, I, I it's have, hard to say. I right? am bowing to you, sir. You can't see this on but the he, podcast. He sends the imperial vestments to the eastern emperor and says, hey, I'll be your client. Mm-hmm. And that's the fall of Rome in the West.
2: Yeah, but you know, I think where we're going. Where I think where you might be trying to go with this uh, about the Pax Romana and is it real or not? At least to me, is it real in the sense? What's important here is is it real in the sense that it has a lasting effect? Because we've talked about before, hmm. how much do we owe to Rome? We owe a lot, absolutely a lot. But why? Why do we owe a lot? I think part of it is. It was Rome that gathered up all of these little scattered villages and tribes, and this is how they did it in Italy mm-hmm. when they became a republic. That's right. They gathered up all of these little, you know, savages, basically, uh, early on, and you know, as relationships right. are formed, there becomes somewhat of a commonality to everyone's cultural experience now a lot of that does get lost over time because you know there's not the instant communication that we have today right but obviously they were successful enough to be remembered right uh, not just you know as the great big roman empire mm-hmm. but i think culturally because again you see remnants of what it means to be roman you know the idea of people having a say in their own governing mm-hmm. uh, okay. as a, at a very minimum um, representatives uh, rep- you know, representative democracy we get that from Rome, not from Greece. Right. Um, now granted, you know, it took a long time before that became a real thing again. Sure. But you know, I think that that cultural commonality is probably why, they, you know, I would ultimately say, there's a <clears throat> Pax Romana, excuse me, but why they were successful. Because it wasn't just a smash and grab. It oh, wasn't man. a political smash and grab. It wasn't a get in, get whatever we can, do all the raping and pillaging that we can, they were spreading what they saw as the ultimate good which was their own civilization their own, their own culture yeah. well yeah because the dark ages
1: everybody it really weren't that dark yeah well yeah they were but but it's called that for, for a reason. reason because every single political entity that there was tried to cl- lay claim to the roman legacy they wanted that they saw that as the ideal we want to be like rome and rome doesn't exist anymore but we're going to be that for this local area. Sure. Clovis does it, many other places. They try to put their their own they try to claim that. There's value in that. I remember the line from that great movie of ours that we love so much, Gladiator, Ridley Scott. Uh you remember when Maximus is in the tent talking with Marcus Aurelius, he says, I've seen much of the world. It is dark and cruel. Rome is the light. Yes. And that's is
2: dark ages because the light of Rome went out. That's yeah. it. That's exactly right. Uh, but it's only in comparison. Um, and we can get into that yeah, later. Yeah, but, I mean, that might be another episode completely. Yeah, yeah, have yeah, never yeah, very very done, thought so. about doing one of those. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, I'd say it's real, but not necessarily the way a lot of people might think of it.
0: Right. And I, and I think that's a lot of Goldsworthy's conclusion here is I'm not trying to excuse... He doesn't try to excuse the way they got there. Obviously, as you mentioned, it's at the point of a sword. It's, <sighs> it's, on, the it's yeah, on the cross. Conform or die. cross, yes. Yeah. But... There's no way to know what the alternative might have been. again, tribal warfare all throughout Gaul, Hispania, Britannia, uh, all the way to the Rhine. I think we know what it would have and, been. And, and, we don't know
2: how it would play out. yeah, right. And,
0: and there is conflict during this entire period. again, conflict on the borders, the the Roman civil wars, but generally inside the Empire. You are safe. Because it is, shall we use the term, civilized, meaning civis, yeah. meaning city,
1: meaning state. Yeah. Uh, you have that ability with the Pax Romana. Uh, and the fact that it's spread all over the Mediterranean and has a legacy afterwards, in many respects, to the extent that civilization was seen as desirable versus anarchy, localized.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We owe to Rome. right? And that's what I was talking about yeah. In, yeah. as far as laying that groundwork. So yeah. even when they were gone, mm-hmm. the the we idea. All it. it was yes. good, and that, I think that was part of what uh, I mean. The success is tied to is what you were talking about when you became they became Roman. The people became Roman. The their self identification changed. They were no mm-hmm. longer just from this village here, and we really hate the village that's only you know half a mile down the down the road because you know half a mile. 2,000 years ago, that was a long way. Yeah, most people never went outside that, in Right. You know, you might have gone a couple of miles. Yeah. Um, Village probably more than a half mile, but you know, yeah. you get my point.
1: Well, you yeah, know, whatever your trading patterns were, they were localized. Right.
2: G- and generally. usually your closest neighbor was also your closest enemy.
0: Right. Yeah. Very much a rival for the same resources.
2: For the same resources, for the same uh, food, for the same materials, for the same women. I mean, because that's the world it was. Yeah. And I really think that Rome changed the identification taught people they could be more than just members of the village they were born into.
1: Oh yeah, because you know I hadn't even thought about that, but you're exactly right it, uh, it gives them some aspirations. You can be something. I mean we, we know about Pelagius and some of the, uh, uh, the Britannian uh, uh, Augustine of Canterbury and others like that that saw themselves as I will go to Rome I will. That's where the culture is centered. I can. They would learn there, and then you go back to their provinces. Uh, this mm-hmm. is a little bit later, mostly, but it still holds that everything was seen centralized there. All roads lead there. You know, that's a it's a common phrase, but it really did mean that. Not just the roads, but that's where everybody wanted to go. Uh, it was the red hot center.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I know we're about near the end. Yes, but I, I need to throw this out. Go ahead. So we often. Um, hear another similar term, and that is the Pax Americana. Yep, now, yeah. I would say that a lot of the things that I laid out about Pax Romana being uh, more about uh, Romanizing, the same thing is true with Pax Americana. It's not about America conquering places where we go. Generally, we right. try not to stay there for very long. We've been trying to get out of the Middle East for a long time. Each president, each administration keeps trying to want to pull people out. And we keep getting pulled back in, mm-hmm. but we want to get out because generally we don't like to stay those places. You know, no. um, you know we stayed in Europe after the war because we had the Soviets, and now that we're there. You know, it, it shrinks, but it doesn't really grow much. It's just part of what it is. But you know, when you look at the impact we've had on the world, and you go to places like Japan, yeah, that's a good example. Japan, while still being very Japan, yes, is very Americanized. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's it's a great. Melding, a synthesis,
1: you know, hammer and anvil type type thing. That's created. it's created this new, stronger sword as you were. That puts this that culturally speaking,
0: it's not a bad thing. A more resilient place all the way around. Right. That still retains some of its characteristics, its its personality of itself. But it takes a lot of stuff that's great about. Us. Well, that's, we learned yeah, that from Rome. You, you yeah. take some
1: great stuff that that you bring in, you keep what you want, you keep what you want to keep from what you had, and it becomes something new, and the bonds of relationship again at the national levels, the global mm-hmm.
0: levels, are made stronger by that. Yep. There's a lesson there. I mean, it's it's an amazing thing that I don't think we, we really value, but I think historians down the road would look at, geez, you bombed a place... Completely flat, yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, Japan and Germany were devastated, correct? Carthage level devastation, right? After World War II, yet now they thrive.
1: And they're some they of your thrive. strongest
0: allies, and and economically and culturally um, stronger than ever, right? And not in a threatening way, and in in fifty years. Uh, really? You know, six, that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, so and it's we, pretty and, amazing thing that yeah. that has been accomplished there, and it's you're right. It's it's the military part's important, but it's not a continuous thing. It's more a cultural thing. Winning the war right, and winning
1: the peace are two different things.
0: Yes. Yeah. And is it so? Is it? Strong? We were we were good at it once. Rome was good at it once. So, I don't think we're
2: so good at it anymore.
0: We're not. Uh,
2: you know, one of the and maybe this is what led to Rome's downfall ultimately, because uh, you know it certainly has hurt us. Right. One of the things that we used to be very good at was assimilating people who came to this country. Right. Now, obviously, there's a mood in the country, whether it's right or wrong. I don't want to get into that.
0: Yeah, you're right.
2: That we don't want to assimilate new cultures, which to me is so antithetical to the whole concept of being an American. It is. You know. Now, on the other hand, I also say, how long do you have to have been? You know, how long does your family have to have been in the country, or been in the Americas, before you can say you're a Native American? You know, how many centuries does it take? <laughs> yeah. Because some of us in this room have had family that've been here for 300 years and longer. right. And longer. So, how long? You know, is that long enough? Yeah. Does it require 700 years? So, but the point is, we have always been good up until recently about the, bringing people in together, making them American. Now we don't want them to come, much less become American.
0: The melting pot's been replaced with a lot of little small pots and pans on the scall- on the stove. Yes. Ooh, that's a good image. That is There's a never great heard image. That before. Yeah. Yeah. And it's. I think it's two way. It's not just. Yes. We're not necessarily wanting you to come here. I think when they come here, they're not being encouraged to put aside things and be American. Well,
2: right. It's it's a tough thing to balance because. Yeah. Um, from a respect for human, the yeah, or, human person aspect of it. You know they shouldn't have to give up everything. You know, no, that's right. right. Rome, they Rome had that
1: balance. I mean, they, well, when they would for go a time, in, for a time. You know,
2: yeah. when it worked well, um, and you know, when when the Irish came, uh, they were denigrated. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's not like this. We've always been a great melting pot. No, but they assimilated eventually. Usually until the next group came along, <laughs> they became the ones nobody wanted. Yeah, but ultimately they all assimilated, and you still see bits of Irish culture. Uh, In various towns, especially in, say, Boston, for instance. You still see German culture in Pennsylvania. Um, You know, you still see some of that. uh, And you obviously see lots of English culture because that's the the primary thrust. Um, You'll still, still see some French culture in Louisiana. Sure. You know. Uh, Spanish culture you still see in Mexico, uh, California, not, yeah. California. not least because they sit on the border with Mexico. But you know you still see uh, it's Founded
1: that, by Spanish immigrants,
2: right. like Two hundred years ago, you know, three hundred years
0: that, ago. Uh, uh, Far East Asia, uh, yes. Vietnamese that have that have come, uh, Cubans that have come, what Japanese into San Francisco. Yeah, there's I mean, there's that, lots of this. That's that's all become. Again, it, it was part of that melting pot. Yeah, uh, somewhere something did change. And something and I don't that, yeah. know
2: if it's that they stopped wanting to be American when they got here, or if we stopped wanting them to come here first.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe becoming American is no longer seen as a good thing. Oh,
0: that could be it too. But yeah, that's, that's a, a great point. Point. or
1: unnecessary thing. Yeah. Perhaps a little both.
2: Uh, yeah. you know that could be a, that could be a topic for, for that's another for, subject for perhaps. philosophical uh, you know for lo- philosophy or uh, historical discussion either one because' yeah. it's, it's tied up with both. Again, man there's those eternal questions. yeah because right.
0: we definitely I know all three of our position is we would love to see all the small pots and pans on the stove poured back into one melting pot. Right. With all the flavors with that all come the flavors, with it. Yeah. That's right. right. You, know, you, don't, a you don't
1: lose yourself, you enhance everything.
2: Right. Think about a great stew. That's right. right. You can taste ingredients. If you take all, all of those yeah. ingredients and you keep them in separate pots, it sucks. I mean yeah. that's not a good that's not a good meal, right? right? But you put it all together. That can be a great meal. I, personally I love stew, I think it's one of my favorite meals. Amen. Uh, especially when you go to the rover, you get that Guinness Beef stew. Well, hey, yeah, you guys
0: had burgoo tonight, and we had burgoo. Yeah, that's right. We had that's but, a yeah, Kentucky. That you know, is the yeah. quintessential Kentucky, Kentucky stew. Yeah, yeah. We, had,
2: we had that before we uh, yeah.
1: before so we yeah. Recorded tonight.
2: Yeah, we, we somewhere along the way. I honestly think, just like Rome, we lost our way when it comes to that part of things. I hope it's not permanent. Yes,
1: I think the light is still there, and I think it's not out, and I think we can find it as, as long way as behind.
2: we're still we're you know a country. A as country long as country. there's
1: guys like us out there explaining all this and <laughs> touting what is good, uh, I think we'll find
0: our way. Yeah.
1: I'm the eternal optimist, but you guys know that. Yeah, yeah. That's good. It's good
0: to be optimistic. Thanks for being with us here every week at Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Be sure to spread the word on your social media accounts. Follow us and retweet us. We are on Instagram and on Twitter at Snakes and Otters. Let your friends know that they can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio,
2: Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. Just search Snakes and Otters Podcast to find us. And please, remember to leave us your comments and reviews. It helps people find us. And you can always send
1: us an email at snakesandotterspodcast at gmail.com. I'm Martin. I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Catch us next week. Same snake time, same otter channel.